0: welcome back to freedom by faith ministries i am dr pamela noel and today we're going to continue our talk on biblical prosperity heavenly father we thank you lord for bringing us together today we ask you holy spirit to be present in this teaching we know that you are the teacher and we ask that you reveal to us the truth as it is written in the word of god and how to apply it to our daily lives so that God can get the glory out of everything that we do in this world. We thank you, God, for sovereignty. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, for giving us instructions on how to navigate through this demonic, dark world that we live in right now. In the name of Jesus. So we are handing over this teaching session to you, Lord. We ask you to have your way to speak to your children, to your people today. And whatever revelation you would like for them to have through the power of the Holy Spirit um, who is in us. We ask you to reveal it to us, help us and teach us to be humble and obedient and have a hearing heart. And you said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. So help us, Lord, to give us ears to hear you and to really humble ourselves and apply these um, teachings, the, your words, to our lives so that we don't get so easily um, deceived by the world's lies that come from Satan and his uh, agenda to kill, steal, and destroy using deception. In the name of Jesus, like like David said, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light that guides my path. So we ask the Lord to let your word shine a light in this dark world so that we can navigate and not fall into the traps of evil. In the name of Jesus, your word is the only light in the name of Jesus that can, that can chase out the darkness in this world. So let us captivate your words, your teachings, your wisdom, and tattoo your words into our hearts so that we are... Guided only by the Holy Spirit and the Word of Jesus, so that we can stand firm on His truth, the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus, so that we don't fall away so easily when the storms of life uh, hit us left and right. Let us be like a house deeply planted in a solid rock that is unshakable and unmo- unmovable, which is the Word of God, who is Jesus, who is the Word of God. So we thank you again for today, and I and I thank you for um, joining me today in this teaching about prosperity and what it means to prosper. Um, from a biblical perspective so we're going to start with proverbs 9 verse 10 and proverbs is a book of wisdom written by king solomon who was considered the wisest man on this planet and so if we're um learning how to prosper and we're going to get advice from all these people that are supposedly very knowledgeable in whatever area you know in the industry that you're in it makes sense to get advice also from the the wisest man, right? So aside from God, who is the king of wisdom, right? Wisdom comes from the message of the cross. We saw that, uh, previous video that wisdom comes from the message of the cross. That is the wisdom of God. is the is the, is the cross. Um, but but Solomon is described as the wisest person. On this planet, so let's get some advice from him also. Proverbs nine verse ten, says. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. So even though, you know, let's say your, your, your industry is real estate or you invest in the stock market or whatever the situation may be, you know, at some point the real estate market goes down. It goes up and down, you know, every season. The market sometimes crashes or whatever the situation is. So wisdom only comes from the fearing, fearing God. And knowing him right and so if you don't know God you're gonna make bad decisions no matter how well advised you are right you have you have all these investment you know strategists or whatever they're called that are giving people advice on how to invest what to invest in when to pull out or all these other things which I don't know anything about but the Bible is very clear that wisdom only comes from fear of the Lord that is the foundation of knowledge and wisdom is to fear God which means when God speaks, you obey him, right? So fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. So, if, so if, if you're building a house, you can't build a house without a foundation. That's like the first thing that people build, I think, is to make the foundation. I don't know how you build houses, but from my understanding, you start out with a strong foundation first. You don't just build a house on top of a ground just like that. You have to build a foundation. So that's the beginning stages of, of building a house from my understanding from my limited understanding, I should say. So to have wisdom, you can't even begin to have wisdom until you fear God first, right? So we want to have wisdom, we want to have all these advisors to help us to know how to prosper from, from the world's perspective. But God said, if you don't fear God, you can't even begin to have wisdom, right? So with, without the fear of the Lord, there is, there is no wisdom, right? So we need to understand, as Christians, if we want to prosper, to not look at just what the world is doing, we need to fear God and to hear Him first, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, he's talking to his disciples, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. I think we've, we looked at this verse before. I'm not sure. But it's important to know that in the kingdom of God, it's the opposite, right? So in the world, the person who's the highest is the highest. It makes sense, right? So there's a path before every person that seems right, but that path leads to death. So what seems right in the world is actually wrong in the kingdom of God. That's the, that's the dichotomy. That's the difference between the kingdom of this world and how the, worldly, the worldview is, and then the kingdom of God and how God sees things right? And so if we're in the kingdom of God, we want to do things the way God sees it, right? So in the kingdom, it's the lowest person who's actually the highest, right? So Joseph had to become a slave first. Even though in his dream, God told him that people will bow to you, he had to become a slave first. And then he was exalted to be governor over Egypt. It's important that God always looks at the lowest person as the highest, right? So out of all the brothers of, of, of david the first three olders the older brothers were actually warriors and he didn't recognize them as leaders he took the youngest and the most humble one who was out there in the sheep he wasn't even considered right so so prophet samuel went into the household of jesse and he's asking let me see your sons because one of them was going to be the next king and he didn't and the father didn't even consider that david could be king he's the lowest he's the youngest Right. He's a teenager. He's a child. He's not going to be king. Like, that doesn't even make sense. And he's like, no, there's got to be another one. It's none of these men here. And they were taller, stronger options. Right. And so you would think a military person who's serving in the army would be a a prime candidate to be the next king. But God didn't see it that way. Right. So God always looks at things the opposite of what the world sees. And that's the way we should operate. So if you want to be the highest, you must first become a slave and a servant. That's what he's saying here, right? So the rulers of this world, he says, right, the kings, the rulers, the, pe- the chiefs in this world, they lord it over the people that are under them. But for you in the kingdom, the highest person is the slave, is the servant. That's the highest person, right? So we, we want to strive for, for nor- notoriety. We want to have um, visibility, right? We, we want to be like those cel- celebrities who are highest, you know, they have all the money, the power, the fame, the influence, the beauty. But God doesn't look at them. It's the lowest person that nobody notices. That's the person that God regards as highest, right? Like the lady with the two coins where all these other people were putting large sums of money. That was just a fraction of what they really had. But she gave everything. But it was only two coins. But that's the person that Jesus noticed, right? And so we need to, we need to um, train our minds to look at things the way God sees it because it's not the highest person that's highest. It's not the highest, it's the lowest person that's highest in the, in the way that God sees things, right? So we have to be very careful that we're not at our job trying to climb up, climb up that ladder because we want to get that next promotion. That, that's your aim. It really, as a Christian, your aim is to aim low. How do I serve people? How do I help people? How do I serve them in what they need, even your enemies? And that's not really the talk, topic of our talk today and how to serve your enemies, but God I mean, that's been true in my life, that I've been mightily blessed in my life because I serve my enemies, even if I don't get rewarded for that, in the natural, right? But in the kingdom, you're seen as high as when you can humble yourself and serve even people who hate you. That's a whole other topic, which I might have to do a talk on that. Um, But learning how to serve your enemies, that's one of the best qualities and characteristics that God loves in a humble person, that you're not just loving and serving people who care about you, but people who hate and despise you. Those are the people that God is waiting to see. Are you going to serve them also? Uh, let's go on to Ephesians five. Ephesians five, verses verse twenty one says, "This is really about husbands and wives, but I think this should, should applies to every everyone, every relationship." In my opinion, um, it says further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Right. So remember how Proverbs it says. I think it was Proverbs nineteen, Proverbs nine, verse ten says. Fear of the Lord is a foundation. Fear of the Lord. We must fear God. It's not, oh, fear God just means you have to respect him, you know. And No, fear means fear, right? So the Bible says that to respect authority but not fear them. So that means there's a, there's a difference between the word respect and the word fear, right? But we must fear God. We must fear God, okay? So there's none of that, oh, it doesn't really mean that. I've heard pastors preach that way, and it's 100% wrong okay if you read the bible and to see the suffering that people in israel went through because they were not fearing god okay the suffering that they went through it's no jokes it is important and i'm going to read another verse about that which i wasn't planning on doing actually i think it's in uh this was not part of my talk but i feel like i should bring it up why it's important to fear god i think it's in uh, i want to say in proverbs one or two Actually, let's do, let's do the whole thing. 20 to 33, it's kind of a long one, but it's really important. I wasn't planning on reading this, but I feel like it's important because people don't realize like the consequences of, fear, of not fearing God is heavy. And a lot of times, Christians, I notice when people are suffering through things, they automatically assume it's Satan. It's not always Satan, right? So every time Israel was sinning against God and he was bringing curses upon them of sickness, death, suffering, famine, all of that came from God. Pestilences came from God. Right. And so we're so quick to, to blame Satan for everything. A lot of time it's judgment upon a people. And these are God's people. It's not even the world. God has judgment against the world also that he talks about in the Bible. But when God is talking specifically to Israel, his own children, that applies to us today also. Right. Because we have been grafted in the family of God. So we belong to him just as Israel does. Right. And so the so the curses that came upon Israel for the rebellion still apply. to it. Oh, but Jesus died is different now. No, Jesus said I, he came that you might repent of your sins. He didn't say he came to, so you can continue sinning against him. But that's OK now because I died on the cross. That's not in the Bible. Right. Paul says just because you have been saved through grace, does that mean you continue sinning against God? Of course not, he said. So what is the consequence of not fearing god so we want to have all this wisdom from people who are successful from our viewpoint where god doesn't call that prosperity if they didn't get prosperity god's ways it's not prosperity in the way in the way that god thinks right so if you so if you want wisdom it comes from fearing god and if you don't fear god these are the consequences that we see every day even among christians who love god and are going to church every sunday and they're suffering through a whole lot of things and they, don't, they, and they don't recognize some of that suffering is the judgment that comes from God himself because we refuse to fear him. Okay, So the idea of fearing God just means you just have to respect him, but you don't have to be afraid. I don't know any other definition of fear. Okay, So we do not add or subtract from scripture. We must learn it, obey it, and live it. So he says, wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street to those gathered in front of the city gate. How long, you simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. This is wisdom talking. And we know Paul said, I don't remember where it was. Paul says that the wisdom of the cross, the message, the the our message of the cross is foolishness to this world, but it's the very wisdom and power of God is the message of the cross. Right. So that's wisdom. So this is wisdom talking to us now. It says, come and listen to my counsel. Right. So Jesus is the wisdom. The cross is the wisdom of God. I will share my heart with you and make you wise. This is wisdom from God who's saying I, he will make you wise. I called you so often, but you would not come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice, right? So God says one thing, but we're doing what the world is doing. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. So I, this is God talking. He says, I will laugh when, when you are in trouble. Think about that. This is, this is God talking here, right? <laughs> I will laugh when you are in trouble, how many times have you seen this verse in, in a church? I haven't. I haven't. The only, the only place I've seen this is Pastor um, Derek Prince who talked about this. Right? So when God says to do something and we don't do it, now you're in distress, you're in trouble, and he's laughing. Let's, let's, let's marinate on that for a second. That God laughs at people who are in trouble because they don't listen to his advice. Hmm. That's interesting. This is God talking. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you, He says. When so when so because God is sovereign, right? When we ignore God's advice, He says, when disaster overtakes you, that means it will happen, right? So how many Christians do you know that are always falling apart? There's always some drama going on in their life. They're falling apart, crying all the time. They're miserable, right? Oh, it's Satan attacking me. A lot of times, it's not Satan. This is God talking, not Satan. He says, I will mock you when disaster overtakes you. When means it will happen because God said that it will happen because you ignored my advice. When when, there's that word again, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone, and anguish and distress overwhelm when? When? disaster engulfs you like a cyclone, and anguish and distress overwhelm you. Is he talking to unbelievers? People who don't go to church every Sunday, they don't believe in God, they're atheists, they believe in other gods. Who is he talking to? He says, when they cry for help, I will not answer. Those are people who are crying out to God for help, the real God, not Buddha, Allah, whatever, you know, whatever other religions are out there. They're talking to God about their distress. How many Christians do that? that you know, I know them. I know some of them. Right? They're in disaster. And, and, when you, and when you look at their lives, they complain all the time, which is sin. They talk badly about their enemies. They don't forgive people very easily. They're always bitter, angry, unforgiving. They're not serving people who hate them. They're not listening to what God has to say. But when, when they're in distress, now they want to go to God all of a sudden. How many Christians do you know that do that? And, and they're, they're crying out to God. They're Christians. They believe in God, N- not a fake God. They're talking to the real God. And what is God's response to people who ignore him? And now they are in distress, which is a promise, basically. He says when calamity overtakes you, when, when disaster engulfs you, right? So you will come upon disaster, calamity, distress, anguish, he says when so he, it's a promise that this will happen if you ignore God's advice and you don't fear him right and now they're now they're crying out to God the real God and what is his response he said when they cry for help I will not answer so not only is God laughing and mocking people who do not fear him and do not obey his advice and this is preaching to me I have to remind myself every day why it's so important to obey God even when we don't think we should I don't have to bless my enemies. Look at how they're treating me. So when disaster comes upon a person who thinks like that, don't, don't think God's listening to you. He's not. He's not listening. Right? He says, when they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously, they're in the distress, the they're anxious, they anxiously search for me, they will not find me, for they hated knowledge which only come from God. It's not from your neighbors, the, the gurus on, online or whatever. They hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way. These are Christians. He's talking to people who believe in God, right? Choking on their own schemes for, for simpletons turn away From me to death and fools are destroyed by their own complacency he's talking to people who believe and pray to him these are the people he's talking to but all who listen to me will live in peace untroubled by fear of of harm so this is why it's so important when you're chasing prosperity and success in the in the in, in the advice that we're getting from other people don't ignore god's advice Don't ignore God's advice. Because even if you have success the world's way, it's only temporary. These messages, right, all of a sudden you have a child cancer that there's no cure for. Your husband's leaving you and the the mortgage is due and you can't pay it. All kinds of trials and traumas going on. And you're praying to God and no answers are coming. Remember that verse. Proverbs 1. Remember that verse. These are promises that he's making to people who do not want knowledge from him, they've ignored God's advice. I'm not going to forgive my enemies. I'm not going to bless people who hate me. I'm not going to humble myself. I'm going to have an attitude. I'm not going to, you know, I I don't want to do what the Bible says. But when I need something, God should hear me. You are deceiving yourself and you're delusional. And people think, oh, it's Satan attacking me. It's God a lot of times. It's God. And he's saying it right here. When disaster comes. Why? Because you did not choose to fear. Oh, you don't have to fear God. Jesus died for us. We're friends. No, we, Jesus has made us friends of God. True. But the Bible is very clear. In Old and New Testament, we, we must fear God. And there's a verse somewhere that Paul says, we must succumb to the word of God with fear and trembling. Trembling fear is what Paul says in New Testament. So that hasn't changed because God, Jesus died, which is what I've heard pastors say. And it's wrong. The Bible is very clear. Paul feared God. And that is advice for all believers who must fear God and obey what he says. All right, let's go on to Philippians. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. Remember how we said earlier that to be great, you must first become a servant, but to be the first. You must first become a slave. So the higher God wants to take you, you must, you must put yourself at lower even, right? So you want to be great, you have to be a servant. You want to be the first, which is higher, you have to be even lower. You have to start out as a slave. And that's the example we saw in the Joseph's life, which we're not going to go to because it's a long story, right? So for, for the dream that God gave Joseph that you will be so great one day that people, including your own family, will bow down before you. Right. So in those days, they bowed before kings and he became the governor, one of the chief, the highest officers in Egypt underneath the um, king Pharaoh. But that came after he became first as he served as a slave and he was faithful to God, even as a slave and then became a prisoner unfairly, never complained. That is the way to to prosperity and to move up the ladder. God's way is you have to put yourself low and stay there right you're not climbing up ladders the bible says that it's god who exalts the humble we don't we don't exalt ourselves with the tactics and the wisdom of this world and trying to f- take the right class and look at the you know follow the right youtube whatever guru you want to follow it's god who who exalts us but when we we go down and remain low in servanthood that's when god brings you up so this is so for Christians we're following the example of Christ Jesus who First, before he became, had the highest name above all names, it says he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being, right? He lowered himself from de- deity to, human, to be a, a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. This is what God did, right? He became a human being and he served as a slave, as a servant. He said, I did not come to be served but to serve, right? So he died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor. Why did God do that, right? So God highly exalted him. He godly elevated him to the place of highest honor. It says, therefore, because of what he did before that, which which is he humbled himself in obedience to God, right? became a human being. He gave up his divine privileges and took a humble position of a slave. That's in verse 7. And 9 says, because of that, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so Jesus, even though he's God, he's not at the right hand of the Father and have the name that's highest above all names because he's God. He says, it says is he gave up his divine privileges. So that's not the reason why his name was elevated, because he's God. He gave up those privileges before he came here as a human being. But because he humbled himself, he became a human, served as a slave, died a criminal's death. Because he humbled himself in obedience to God, that's why God elevated him. Right? So we're trying to kind of climb up that corporate ladder, and we're doing it the, way, the world's way, trying to, you know backbiting people and trying to cut corners and trying to get in good with the boss buying him coffee or whatever people do in the corporate world I have no idea but the world ways for God is wickedness right we're ignoring God's advice so now you're in a disaster and you're going to God and he's laughing at you why because we did not choose to fear him and so if Jesus is God and he modeled humility towards God there's no reason why we shouldn't be doing the same thing Right? So we're going to look at one more passage. I'm going to give you a little story about my husband and why, um, well, I'll go, I'll go ahead and start with Proverbs 146, and then I'll give you a little story about my husband, why he saw, he's, his story is a very interesting one, and that is very much what God is asking for us to, to do in terms of how to have success in this world. So let's go on. to so Psalms 146. Three and four says, Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There's no help for you there. When they breathe their last breath, they return to earth and all their plans die with them. Actually, let me go to five also. But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper whose hope is in the Lord their God. So don't put your confidence in powerful people. So I'm going to talk to you you about my husband Are you ready to step into your calling and destroy fear, worry, doubt, and anxiety? In Our Victory, God's Glory, author Pamela Noel describes the stop and do nothing else principle that was used by some of the most powerful people in Scripture, including David, Moses, Peter, and Daniel. This You Can't Help Yourself book reveals that success in every area of your life lies in one name. Our Victory, God's Glory was written to support Haiti's elite medical team, a Haitian-American-owned, not-for-profit organization that provides health care services to the poor in Haiti. Proceeds from the sale of this book will help support our efforts. The ultimate goal is to build a hospital and provide much-needed medical care services currently unavailable to those with limited access to quality health care. Available at Amazon, your local bookstore, or at Trilogy.tv.